Good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? I'm so glad to have y'all back with us again for another uh, Sunday morning with Stapleton Baptist Church as we're powering through this pandemic. Um, glory to God for that. He's the one giving, the, the, giving us the ability to do it. Before we do anything else, anything else at all, uh, I want to acknowledge that today is Mother's Day. So to all you Stapleton Baptists and Stapleton uh, mamas and grandmamas and great-grandmamas, uh, we are so thankful for you that you guys are uh, just powerhouses of the community, raising kids, taking care of kids. A lot of you have got extra stuff on you um, with school being out, with uh, things being just so turned upside down right now that, that being a mama right now means so much more even than it normally does. And that's saying something. So to all of you who are mamas, we love you. We appreciate you. Um, we want to recognize that the hard work you do just being mama. Uh, so thank you so much, all you Stapleton Baptist mothers. Uh, that being said, today we're going to take a break um, from Revelation just for a day. We're going to get back to that series because I have had so many conversations the last couple of weeks about what we're going to talk about today, which is does the Bible say something about this pandemic that we're living through right now? Um, that... You, you might say, wait a minute, Josh, this is making me a little bit nervous. Are you going to go looking through the Bible for some prophecy that said that coronavirus was going to hit in 2020? No, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is I am going to say, though, that the Bible does talk to us uh, very definitively about the kind of lives we should be living and decisions that we should be making and the way we should be thinking about other people in the middle of this. Um, I've been seeing a lot of uh, crosses on doorsteps that say faith over fear. That's a good thing. I want to encourage that, that we should have faith. We should not have fear. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear, um, and that's the love that we know God has for us, knowing that he loves us, that drives out uh, fear that we have. Uh, but I've also talked to some folks um, who feel a little bit guilty about the fact that they can't be in church right now, and they feel like the fact that we're not going about uh, life as normal seems to indicate that they are fearing, so therefore they are weak in their faith. But when you talk to them, they say, well, I'm concerned about folks in our church who are at high risk right now. Uh, I want to protect them, but at the same time, does that mean my faith is weak because shouldn't I be trusting the Lord to take care of us? I want to address some of those concerns today uh, and, and do that in a, in a biblical way. Um, I'm an expositor. Uh, normally that means I, I pick a passage of scripture, or if, you, if you've been following our, our Revelation series, I pick a book of scripture, uh, and I tend to go through it chapter by chapter, verse by verse, but occasionally, uh, when needed, I, I will attack a topic. Um, it's not regular, but I'm going to jump around a little bit today. Um, you'll see that. It'll be a little bit different than you're used to, uh, but I do want to address this because I feel like this is a topic we need to uh, talk about. I want to give a, a, a caveat right here at the beginning, though. Um, we're going to talk a lot about loving our neighbor by protecting them and taking precautions this morning and why that doesn't mean that we are taking fear over faith. That does not mean um, that I am oblivious to the fact that the vast majority of, of us folks out there desperately need to go back to work, desperately need for things to get back to normal. I'm not saying that you, you, should, you should feel bad if you, if you want or need to go back to work as normal. I want you to be able to go back to normal as soon as possible and work as soon as possible. I don't want you to lose any income. I don't want you to lose any wages. I'm not saying that I think we should shut everything down forever. This can't go on forever. It won't go on forever. Um, we can't accept a new normal. Um, 
I'm just saying that while we're in this season of adapting, we may as well lean into the adapting and adapt uh, knowing that that doesn't mean that we have a lack of faith. So that's all I'm saying. Um, I, I'm not out here championing that we just go on like this forever and pretend that you know people don't need to go to work. Okay, That's not what I'm saying. So I'm going to pray, um, and then we're just going to dive right in. I can't give you one straight scripture, but so I will leave uh, the scriptures on the screen a little bit longer today so you'll have a chance to find them. Uh, in your Bible, since I'm going to be jumping around some. So I'll pray, and then we'll dive straight in. Uh, Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for everything you've given us, Lord, and all the stuff that you that you you do to protect us in the middle of things like that. Lord, I do want to pray for the people um, who are struggling with loss of wages and loss of work right now. Lord, I pray um, for them that you would provide for them materially, um, that you would uh, find a way for them, their rent to be provided, their mortgage to be provided, their utility bills, all the things that they need. Um, Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills, and, and if we seek first your kingdom, um, you, you add the other things uh, to us that, that we don't pray uh, like pagans do, repeating ourselves vainly. You know the things that we need. So, Lord, I pray for those uh, that, that are in need right now, Lord. Um, if we as a church can serve them, Lord, give us the wisdom to know how, but I pray you provide for them. Lord, help us as we study your word today that you would help us to look more like Jesus when we're done than we did when we started. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so, uh, spoiler alert, we're going to spend a lot of time in the law today. When I say law, do I mean the Georgia Penal Code, the Federal Penal Code? No, I don't. I mean uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Old Testament, commonly referred to as the law or the law of Moses or the Mosaic Law. Um, and, and, and as Christians, we're guilty a lot of times of of just completely pushing this to the side and saying because we're not under the law, we don't need to spend our time talking about the law, that the law has no value or no purpose anymore. And that's just, that, that's actually heretical to say because uh, who is the source of the law? God is. So first I want to deal with the question, should Christians consult the law? That's our first question that we're going to ask today. Should Christians consult the law? And the answer is a resounding yes. And let me tell you why. Jesus said himself in Matthew 5, verses 17 and 18, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. So all is fulfilled. So like I said, I'm going to leave this on your screen a little bit longer so you'll have a chance to look it up in your Bible. Uh, but while you're doing that, uh, I want you to think about a grocery list, okay? Think about a grocery list. If you ever go grocery shopping, hopefully you go grocery shopping with a grocery list. That makes sure that you don't forget anything, right? So once you write a grocery list, there's two ways to get rid of it. You can either get rid of the grocery list by just balling it up in a ball and throwing it away, right? You can ball it up in a ball and you can throw it away and your grocery list is gone. But your refrigerator is still empty. Uh, your grocery list has not been accomplished. Nothing has come from it. It was there, but it was not fulfilled. You can also get rid of a grocery list <clears throat> by going to the grocery store and buying all the things that are on it. Uh, as Christians, I want you to think of the law kind of like a grocery list, that the law was a list of commandments that God gave the nation of Israel showing this is what righteousness in, in a, in a uh, national context, in, in a covenant context, covenant between you and me, this is what it looks like. It covers every aspect of your life. It covers every thought, uh, motive, intent of your heart. It covers everything that you are. 
uh, and this must be fulfilled if you are going to be in my presence. Well, if you've studied your Bible long enough, you know Israel couldn't do it, Gentiles couldn't do it, none of us can keep the law, so we all sin guilty and condemned by it. Well, Jesus came, picked up the grocery list that none of us had the money to afford, and he went shopping, and he bought everything on it, and he paid in his blood. So he rolls up in heaven and says, Father, I've done everything that you put on that list of requirements. Your children can go free now. Your people can go free now. The law has been fulfilled. So after you're at the grocery store and you've bought all the items on your list, is that, was your grocery list bad? No, you can look back at your grocery list and say, oh, I, I, I know exactly what needed to be cooked. And so these were the building blocks of it. These were the things that I needed to know I needed to buy. Uh, so your grocery list wasn't bad even after it's been fulfilled. Likewise, the law is not bad now that it's been fulfilled. So Jesus said uh, he came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to abolish it. So if Jesus came to fulfill it, if Jesus came to do it, it doesn't make sense for us to think that the law is bad and we shouldn't pay attention to it. If Jesus came to fulfill it, aren't we supposed to look like Christ? You know, if Jesus came to fulfill the law, He's the law embodied. He is what godly righteousness looks like as lived out by a human being, and he did it perfectly. Uh, so we should not just ignore the law and pretend it's not there. We have a lot that we can learn from it. And if the law is useful for us, if the law is useless for us as Christians, then why in the world did Paul use it like he did? Look at this in 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 19. He's talking about elders. Um, it's just a fancy way of saying pastors. Um, you know, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, okay, what is scripture? Okay, if you want to make the argument that Christian scripture is the New Testament and the Old Testament is not Christian scripture, you're going to have a problem with this passage that Paul is teaching from. So look at it. For the scripture says... You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Did Paul just call pastors oxen? No, he did not. What he's talking about is pastoral compensation, that it's good for you to take care of your pastor. And this is not an advertisement, by the way. Stapleton, you are very kind to me. I'm not getting on to you about anything. I love being here, everything about it. Nothing needs to, nothing needs to change. So um, anyway, he's talking to this church and saying, you don't need to muzzle the ox while he treads out the grain. In other words, if you've got a pastor who's laboring for you, it's good for you to support him so that he can spend his time caring for you, and he's not going to have to go get a second job. It's ideal for a church um, to be able to, to do that with their pastor so that he can full-time care for his flock. So he quotes Deuteronomy 25.4 to say that. If the ox is at work, don't muzzle him up so that he can't, he can't live off of his work. So he quotes the law to instruct a church. Look at this. The laborer is worthy of his wages. Paul is going after Leviticus 19.13. Uh, the laborer is worthy of his wages. Um, I'm very nervous that I, I mis, misquoted that. Um, but I, I'm 99% sure it's Leviticus 19.13. So the laborer is worthy of his wages. You know what? I'm actually going to check that so I can correct it. It's always bring your Bible with you to church and don't read off slides. So uh, Leviticus 19.13.
Oh, there we go. No, it's actually correct. You shall not cheat your neighbor nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. In other words, if a laborer is working, give him what he owes. Give him what give him what you owe him. Uh, so uh, Leviticus 19:13, the law quoted to support something. And then also talking about respective pastors, he says, do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Where did he get that standard? He got it from the law in Deuteronomy 19.15. So Paul takes the law and applies it to Christian living and says that you can take even things like an ox treading out the grain. You can take the principle of that law and apply it to Christian life within the context of the church. So that's a good thing. We should be trained in being able to do that. The law is still a good reflection of God's character. So we shouldn't just cast it aside. Paul does exactly what we're going to do today, and he takes the Old Testament law and applies it to a current situation because the principle of the law is good, and it reflects the character of God. Uh, so I wanted to make that note and then also tell you that if we are concerned about the law and how do we apply it, is it applicable for Christian life, the answer is absolutely, because Jesus defines the core of the law himself. He does it in Matthew 22, 35 through 40. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So if you think about it, Jesus says on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, right? So if you think of the, the, the law and the prophets, um, and kind of like this, any of y'all got, got hanging ferns? My, my mama used to have hanging ferns or hanging plants or whatever on her front porch, and they were in these buckets, and uh, those buckets had wires on the top of them, and then you've got a hook somewhere on your porch, and you hang your bucket I think I imagine that these choir mics are hooks. You know, you've got your bucket, you put it up on the hook, and then you get your bucket, you put it up on the hook, and the, the hooks are what the buckets hang on. So if the law and the prophets are the buckets, those two commandments are the hooks. You can take any, any part of the law or any part of the prophets, and you can hang them back on these two commands that Jesus just gave, that Jesus said, um, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. So any commandment in the law, if you interpret it rightly, you're going to get back to either loving God or loving your neighbor. And as Christians, are we supposed to do those things? Absolutely, we're supposed to do those things. We're supposed to love our God and we're supposed to love our neighbor. That's the essence of the law. Jesus loved us. Jesus loved his father. And out of his love for his father, he loved us. So that's the way that he's, he perfectly embodies the law and we're to imitate Christ. So that's what our obedience looks like. Okay, so uh, Jesus gave us the core of the law. So now I want to look at three specific laws briefly and apply them to how we should be living in the middle of this pandemic. And the second one, and the first one is this, uh, building fences and thinking of others. Building fences and thinking of others. And the fence I want to talk about is the fence from Deuteronomy 22.8. And this is one of my favorite applications of Old Testament law because it is so applicable to so many things. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 22.8. When you build a new house, 
Then you shall make a parapet. And you see I added the word fence right there. I'm not adding to scripture. I'm just pretty sure none of us use the word parapet on a daily basis. Okay, so parapet just means fence. You shall make a parapet or fence for your roof that you may not bring guilt of bloodshed on your household if anyone falls from it. So build a fence around your roof so that people are not going to fall off it. If you're reading this in modern day United States, you're probably thinking, I have never once seen a house with a fence around the roof. Does that mean I'm sinning? Does that mean I am wicked and I'm evil and that, uh, that I am not doing uh, what God asked me to do? No, it does not. Um, when we think about the law, I want to share some categories with you, okay? So these are, uh, <clears throat> I got to be careful how I phrase this, okay? So these are imaginary categories, all right? They're just to help you interpret it. If you go look in your Bible for what I'm about to say to you, you won't see it, but you will see the laws that fall into these categories. And there's very good reasons that, that, that we talk about them this way. So if you read the law, we can divide it into three divisions. Get it? Count them. Okay, one, two, three. The first division we can divide it into is what's called the moral law. These are laws that are the same in any time, in any place, in any era, with any people. Uh, the moral law is probably best embodied in things like the Ten Commandments. Uh, you know, I have no other gods um, but Yahweh. No other gods but the God of the Bible. Uh, we don't worship idols. Uh, <clears throat> we don't murder. We don't steal. We don't commit adultery. These are moral laws. You can look in any nation, any people group anywhere in the world, and you're probably going to find some variation of these ten laws. They're stamped on our hearts. Whether or not we obey them is a different issue. But they're stamped on our hearts because we're made in the image of God. And they're never going to change. Christians who say, oh, well, we're not under the law. We are under grace. Okay, well, uh, don't commit adultery as part of the law. Does that mean that under Christ you're allowed to commit adultery? Well, no, absolutely not. Okay, so I thought you said we weren't under the law. Well, they're, okay, so they even admit there are parts of the law that just flat don't change. Okay, the moral law is that. So if you want to think of the moral law, think of it as probably the Ten Commandments and the two hinge commandments that Jesus mentioned. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So that's a pretty good summation of the moral law. All times, all places, all people always mean the same thing. Then you get a second category, which is ceremonial law. This is a lot of times what people think about when they think about the law. They think about keeping, uh, keeping kosher, not eating certain foods, you know, the Jewish dietary restrictions. Uh, you know, if, if, I'm, if I eat bacon, am I a sinner? Uh, thank the Lord. The answer based on the New Testament is no, you are not a sinner. I love bacon. Um, I love barbecue and I love Jesus. And thankfully, Jesus allows me to eat bacon and barbecue. So that's a good thing. Um, but ceremonial law are things like how do we give sacrifices at the temple? How do I maintain ritual purity? What fabrics do I make my clothes out of? Um, you know, things like that. All of those were ceremonial laws in the Old Testament that ancient Israel had to abide by if they wanted to come worship in the presence of God. There were purity laws. All the sacrificial system falls under that. Why do we as Christians say we're not bound by the sacrificial system or all these ceremonial laws? Well, we don't have to purify ourselves anymore because Jesus has purified us. Um, we don't give sacrifices anymore because Jesus is our sacrifice. We don't go to the temple anymore because A, the temple's gone, and B, Jesus has made us the temple as vessels of the Holy Spirit. So if I give a sacrifice, I'm not keeping the ceremonial law anymore. I'm offending Jesus by saying his sacrifice was not good enough. Uh, that The book of Acts tells us uh, that we, we're not to call things 
unclean that God has made clean. That uh, Acts chapter 15 tells us that New Testament Gentile church not expected to keep dietary restrictions. Uh, you know, so these are all reasons that we don't worry so much with the ceremonial law. That that has been fulfilled for us in Christ. Okay, so all the law has been fulfilled for us in Christ. Uh, but we imitate him by, by abiding by the moral law, you know, out of love and obedience uh, to him. Uh, ceremonial law has been fulfilled. We're, we're no longer under that because there is no temple and sacrificial system has been fulfilled in Jesus. And then finally, the ones we're going to look at today are case laws. Case laws are time-bound expressions of what the moral law looks like. Um, so uh, when Jesus says, for instance, in, in a moral law dictate, love your neighbor as yourself, we get passages like this. This is a case law. It is an expression of love your neighbor as yourself. In the ancient world, guest rooms were typically not in the house. They were on the roof. Why? Why were they on the roof? Well, central heating and air was not really a thing. You wanted your guests to be comfortable. So where did you put them that had the best air circulation? You put them on the roof. A lot of times there would be dining a dining area up there so that they could eat. There would be somewhere for them to rest or sleep. And if have you ever rolled over in your sleep? Yes, you've rolled over in your sleep. Absolutely you have. Every single one of us has. You wake up in some weird position and can't figure out how you got there. It's because you rolled over. Well, if you're sleeping on the roof, imagine for just a second that you rolled over in your sleep and you rolled off. Is that going to hurt? Absolutely, that's going to hurt. So the law dictated that when you're building a house, you're going to have a guest room on the roof, probably. So what do you do? You build a fence so that when your guest is staying up there, if he's you know laughing over dinner or he rolls over in his sleep or whatever, and he goes to the edge of the house, He's not going to fall over and get hurt. The law was made out of concern and precaution for a neighbor that this may hurt them. So it was, <clears throat> it was think of it as a prophylactic safety measure. You're not going to fall off the roof if we take proper precautions. Josh, how does this apply to the pandemic? Okay, guys, we know a little bit about this disease. Say, faith over fear, faith over fear, yes. But this was from the law. Would you consider if a, if a Jew, out of faith in God, said, you know what, I'm going to completely disobey God, because I'm going to have faith in God that when I have a guest come to my house, my faith in God is so strong, he's not going to fall off my roof. Do you think God would have approved of that? In ancient Israel? No, because God said, I told you to do this to protect your guest. You should be thinking about their health in addition to yours. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Paul says, If there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like minded. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. Look out for the interest of others. It is not a lack of faith to take the time to do your best to wear a mask out in public. 
It is not a lack of faith to try and stand six feet away from somebody to keep from spewing potentially asymptomatic COVID-19 droplets in somebody's face. That's not a lack of faith. Faith is not pretending that there's no danger, okay? Faith is not saying, I know that these things can hurt someone, but because I have faith in God, I'm just going to cross my arms and say, God's going to keep this from happening. Y'all, God's never guaranteed that somebody wasn't going to fall off of your roof, and God's not guaranteeing that you're not going to get somebody sick. Okay? So build the fence. Take precautions. That is not a lack of faith. That is a that is an abundance of faith and obedience in loving your neighbor like yourself. So, in lowliness of heart, in lowliness of mind, esteem others better than yourself. Don't just look out for your own interests. Well, I'm not afraid. I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm not afraid. I'll get as close to them as I want to. I'm not afraid of getting sick. Yeah, well, they might be. Okay, so, so, so think about that. That doesn't show a lack of faith on your part if you don't... It, it, that doesn't show a lack of faith on your part if you actually take uh, preventive measures. So... Uh, think about think about building fences, you know, out of out of love for each other. So the Bible does have something to say about that. Uh, second, uh, <clears throat> I want us to look at dangerous oxen and negligence. What in the world are we going to do with this, Josh? Well, let's look what the the law has to say about oxen. Check out Exodus twenty one verses twenty eight and twenty nine. This is what God says in the law: If an ox gores a man or a woman to death, yeah, you didn't know we we're going to be talking about that this morning, did you? If an ox gores a man or a woman to death, then the ox shall surely be stoned, and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be acquitted. Okay, so let's let's stop for just a second and let's talk about the situation. Man owns an ox, it's a big animal, it's got, you know, got horns, it's really strong, it could very easily trample somebody, kill them, gore them, whatever. Um, owner has an ox, this ox has never hurt anybody before. But all of a sudden, whether it's through some freak accident or whatever, um, a person gets killed by this ox. Now, the owner had no way of knowing that it was dangerous, so the owner is not held liable for this. The ox is stoned. Nobody eats it. Uh, it, it, it died via punishment. It was a killer. So, uh, the, but, so the ox is dead, but the owner is not penalized. <clears throat> but look at what happens next time. But uh, if the ox tended to thrust with its horn in times past, and it's been made known to its owner, so the owner knows it now. The owner knows this is a violent animal. And he has not kept it confined. So the ox has shown that it's dangerous. The owner knew that it was dangerous. It's been made known to him. And he chose to do nothing. So that it's killed a man or woman. The ox shall be stoned and its owner also shall be put to death. Stop right there. I am not insisting that anybody be put to death if they give somebody coronavirus accident uh, I am not I'm not saying do that but but what I am saying is at this point imagine for just a second that you know this particular sickness that is out there is dangerous okay the deacons and I are going to meet tomorrow. You're watching this Sunday morning, so the deacons and I are going to meet tomorrow via a conference call, and we're going to talk about an ox. Okay? 
We're going to talk about an ox. We talk about this ox every two weeks. This ox is named COVID. We hate him. We want him gone. We would stone COVID if we could, but he seems to evade all the rocks that we throw. But we're going to meet and we're going to talk about this ox. <clears throat> and we're going to do our best to build a pen around this ox. Because this ox has been known to gore people. It's been known to, to hurt people. So we're going to do our best to pin it up. Because we know that it's dangerous. You know? So, when you think about this ox, and you're thinking about faith over fear, that I want to show that I've got faith in God. I don't want to be fearful. I don't want to, I, I want to have faith. Okay, well, faith is obedience. Right? Faith is obedience. So, if you know something is dangerous, but you choose not to do something when you know that it's dangerous, is it just coronavirus's fault? No. No, it's not. Have some concern for your neighbor. Say, so, well, Josh... Where's the gospel in this? All you're doing is, I, I didn't come to church to talk about this disease. I came to church to talk about this gospel. Okay, I got your gospel right here. Did Jesus know that sin was dangerous? Did Jesus know that sin was dangerous for us? Did Jesus know that sin, if left unchecked, was going to actually destroy humanity? Yes, he did. So he took steps to prevent it from doing so, i.e., he gave himself up. He sacrificed himself to keep us from being gored by this ox called sin. At great personal sacrifice. Guys, do you know how much it pains your deacons and your pastor that, that I'm standing in this room right now and I'm standing behind this pulpit and the only person in this room with me right now is Jesus? Do you know how sad that is to me that I wish I could look out? I'm looking at the seats right now as you see it, and, and I see where people should be. I know where you should be sitting right now. A lot of you, you've got the same seat that you sit in every Sunday morning, and I can just about imagine who I'm talking to, and I can, I can point at you. I miss you. And a lot of you have told me how much you miss being there, but we've got this stupid ox that we got to keep pinned up because he's shown that he thrusts in the past has been made known to us we can look at the data every single day and so many of you are in that highest risk category and this is not a lack of faith this is seeking to have faith by obeying God and being concerned about the welfare of our brothers and sisters in Christ that we want to keep you as safe as we possibly can by taking the appropriate precautions. Say, okay, well, I'm not in the high-risk group. Great. I'm not in the highest-risk group either. But do you know what? Me not being in the highest-risk group, I could give someone who is in the high-risk group a pretty nasty bout of coronavirus if I'm asymptomatic and don't know it. <clears throat> so that's why we're taking the measures that we are, and it's not out of a lack of faith. So it's not a lack of, of, of faith. That, that prompts us to do this. Look at Galatians 6, 1 and 2. It says, Brethren, if a man's overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
bear one another's burdens that you might not think this is your burden to bear because you're in a low risk category and I'm ready to get back. I'm ready to do everything uh, the way that we're, because I'm, I'm not afraid. I'm not really at risk. Well, other people are. Other people are, and, and we don't want this thing to go south fast. So we're trying to keep this ox pinned up, not out of a lack of faith, but out of an abundance of caution and love for our neighbors. I don't think God has a problem with that. Because uh, I can look here at Scripture and see that, that that's the way the law kind of works. Okay, uh, So dangerous oxen and negligence. Finally, I want us to look at leprosy and self-quarantine. I bet you didn't know that quarantining was in the Bible, did you? Absolutely quarantining is in the Bible. It is right there. Check this out. So we're going to have several slides right here because this is a long chunk of Scripture. So Leviticus 13, verses 1 through 8. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priests. The priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body, and if the hair on the sore is turned white, and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of the body, it is a leprous sore. So what is leprosy? Leprosy is a degenerative skin disease. It's horrible and it is contagious. So we've got a contagious disease with discernible symptoms that must be evaluated by someone who is trained to notice them. Sound familiar? Yeah, it sounds familiar. Check this out. Then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. This is ceremonial law. He is ritually now unable to go to worship. So this contagious disease with discernible symptoms is now keeping this person from going to the tabernacle. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body and doesn't appear deeper than the skin and its hair hasn't turned white, then the priest shall isolate. Oh my goodness, here we are. The one who has the sore seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And if indeed the sore appears to be as it was and the sore is not spread on the skin, then the priest shall isolate him another seven days. Y'all, can I ask you a question? How long are they recommending that you isolate yourself to prevent the spread of coronavirus if you think you've been exposed to it? 14 days. What's 7 plus 7? Seems like God was on this quarantine thing way longer before we were. He knows how to deal with the human body. He's God. He designed the thing. Leprosy is a highly contagious disease. God didn't want his people getting sick. So when there was one with discernible symptoms and people trained to know what it looks like, he told his people, when you get sick, stay at the house. Stay at the house. Then the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. So it's day 14. If indeed the sore is faded, the sore is not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It's only a scab. He shall wash his clothes and be clean. That's a good way to get clean. You wash off. But if the scab uh, should at all spread over the skin, after he's been seen by the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen by the priest again. And if the priest sees that the scab has indeed spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. So let's talk about this, okay? When you are unclean in the Old Testament, you cannot go to worship. That prevents you from going to the tabernacle. Now, that would have been a grave disaster for a, for a Jew because what happens at the tabernacle? Sin. sin. Well, sacrifice for sin, rather I should say. What happens at the tabernacle? Sin does. Wrong answer. Um, sacrifice for sin happens at the tabernacle. So this would have been a horrendous blow 
right? You can't go, which means you can't take sacrifice. So you would think there's no atonement for sin. You're just stuck in your sin because you're at home with this disease and you really want to go to the tabernacle. You want to sing the hymns. You want to sing, um, you know, you want, to, you want to sing the psalms. You want to see all the folks uh, at, at the temple. You, you want to say hey to your priest, you know. Uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of emotion tied up in that. I mean, there should be emotion tied up in worship. And now all of a sudden you're ceremonially unclean, so you can't go. And you're stuck in your house. And your priest has got to come check on you uh, every seven days to see if you are no longer showing symptoms before you can come back to church. So let me ask you your question. Because of the sickness, has this Jew who has it, who is now self-isolating in his house until the priest tells him he can come out, is this Jew worshiping or not able to worship? This Jew is worshiping. By staying in his house, this Jew is worshiping. Why is he worshiping? Because he's loving his neighbor by doing what God told him to do. He's loving his God with all his heart, soul, and mind by obeying what God said, and he's loving his neighbor by protecting him from getting sick. Well, wait a minute. Josh, he can't sacrifice. What happens if this Jew dies and he can't sacrifice and he dies in his sin because he was obeying this other law that God gave that keeps him from sacrificing? Well, look at this. Oh, no, did I not load my last slide? I did not. <clears throat> so get out, your, <laughs> get out your Bibles. This is why, again, always bring your Bible to church, even if you've got slides. Never give up. If you flip in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 15, 1 Samuel chapter 15. I love technology until it stops working, don't you? Um, good thing is, you know, yeah, I have never had the battery on this thing run out, not once. So 1 Samuel 15, uh, starting in verse 22. I'm in 2 Samuel. Just because it's never run out of battery doesn't mean that it, you know, there, there can't be user error. Um, 1 Samuel 15, uh, starting in verse 22. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Here's your, here's your $10,000 question. If God had told this Jew, If you're sick, I want you to stay home. And the Jew said, If I stay home, I can't sacrifice. Do you think God would have been a big fan of his sacrifice if he broke what God told him to do, came and put the rest of his fellow Jews in danger just so he could bring a sacrifice to God? No, God would not have been a fan of it because God values obedience more than he values sacrifice. Well, Josh, hang on. You're talking about a divinely mandated quarantine, which we're not under, right? We're not under the ceremonial law anymore. No, we're not under the ceremonial law anymore, but we can learn from it that God gave this law to protect the Jews' fellow worshipers. It wasn't safe. So a Jew obeying that law loves God by obeying him and loves his neighbor. Excuse me. So if you think you might be sick, you can apply this law to your own life, and that's not a lack of faith. That is acting out what Jesus said were the two core tenets of the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, 
and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so if I love my neighbor as myself and I think I might be sick or I think I might have been exposed to someone who might be sick, it's not good for me to say, A, nope, I'm going to have faith. I'm not going to have fear. I am going to church and I'm bringing everything I got with me. That's not faith. That's recklessness and a lack of love for your brother or sister. Okay, it's not, it's not good. That's not what we're going here, going for here. Second, Second, your brother or sister is made in the image of God, right? So do you think loving your brother or sister who is made in the image of God, don't you think that's loving the God in whose image they're made? Yes, absolutely it is. That we're not just being careful for ourselves, we're being careful out of love for them, and that's not a lack of faith. That's not even fear. That is being sensibly cautious. So tomorrow when we talk about this, this oxen named COVID, we're going to evaluate, you know, hey, is how do we deal with this this week? We've waited two more weeks for some more data. How do we deal with that? Do we open this thing back up? Do we open it back up for some people? Do we open it back up for everybody? Do we not open it back up for anybody? And the, the measures that we're going to take into account as to whether or not we do that are going to be, do we love our brothers and sisters well if we open and take this set of precautions? If we don't feel like we're loving you well, we're not going to do it, and that's not a lack of faith. And when you are at home, I don't want you to feel guilty either that you are having a lack of faith if you're trying to take precautions uh, to stay safe. Uh, so I, I've gotten that question a lot. You may say, Josh, this was a weird sermon. Well, I got enough questions and I've had enough discussions to know that it was on a lot of your hearts and minds. So I wanted to address it. I don't want you feeling needlessly guilty. I don't want you beating yourself up over this. There's very few things as damaging as feeling like your your faith is, is less than it is because you're trying to to take care of your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's not a lack of faith. That's the presence of love, and that's exactly one of the core tenets of the law. So I wanted to take time to say that so that you guys could hear it, you guys could think through this, and you could see that God's Word has a lot to say about situations like the one we find ourselves in. Uh, look at the character of God. Look at the sacrificial character of God's love put, put out there in the law, and know that that was exemplified in Jesus too that Jesus knew that there was something that was going to destroy you if it wasn't pinned up. There was something that was going to destroy you if he didn't put up some rail guards for you. That uh, There was uh, a disease that was going to eat you alive if he didn't do something about it. And that disease was sin. So Jesus sacrificially gave himself in the ultimate show of love for God and the ultimate show of love for neighbor. That Jesus dealt with your sin he eradicated it so that we could be pure and we could come into the presence of God and we could worship undefiled and untainted by sin and, and, and we get immunity to its penalty. Jesus gave us the antibodies um, so and, and he did it through a blood transfusion. So I, I do want you to, to take and see the gospel in this, that we are loving with a Christ-like love when we look, for our look out for our neighbor like that. Uh, so I'm going to pray that we're going to have some announcements. Um, and then we'll be done, okay? Uh, Father, thank you so much for today. Um, thank you for the ability to study your word together, Lord. 
Um, I pray that uh, there would not be folks that feel guilty out of the, their desire to uh, take care of their brothers and sisters, and Lord, that they would understand a little bit better why we're making the decisions that we make about this church here. So thank you, Jesus, for your grace and mercy, and thank you for your sacrificial love, showing us what it looks like when you truly love God and neighbor, and you did that when you loved your Father enough to, to, to be sent by him to come to earth, and, and you loved us enough to give your life for us on the cross, completely and totally fulfilling the law in every way, shape, and form. Uh, help us to look like you, to act like you, because you've changed our hearts. Um, we love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, uh, a couple of announcements before we go. Uh, if you're watching this on Facebook, come check us out at stapletonbaptist.org. That's where you'll find a lot of information. I got some stuff up there about Lifeway Kids at Home. Parents, if you've got kids or preschoolers <clears throat> and you would really love some Bible study material, maybe some short videos to keep them interested in the scripture while you're at home, but you don't know where to find those, uh, I got a big old link right there at stapletonbaptist.org that will point you straight to a resource. You can find it. Um, it does involve signing, signing up for a Lifeway account, but a Lifeway account is free, and then the thing works just like Netflix or Hulu or something like that. So there's a ton there at your disposal. There's also women's Bible studies and men's Bible studies and uh, teen Bible studies as well. So you can sign up for that for free, um, and the link is right there at stapletonbaptist.org as well as a link to our email list. If you're watching this on our website and you're a Facebook user, I encourage you to find us over at facebook.com backslash stapletonbaptistga. Uh, you can find a link to that at the bottom of our website. There's a little Facebook logo. You can click that and it'll take you straight there. Or you can just go to facebook.com backslash stapletonbaptistga. Um, that's the best place for breaking news uh, and other little video posts that I do that aren't sermons or stuff like that. So go find us. Uh, like us. Like the page. Follow the page. Do everything with the page you can do. That's over at Stapleton Baptist uh, GA. Also, do want to make one more announcement before we're done. If you missed our Vacation Bible School announcement earlier this week, um, I encourage you to go to our church website right now. There's still a link up. You probably saw it if you went to our church website today. It's got a link to a video for a very important announcement about Vacation Bible School. It's no longer the first week in June. Uh, it's going to be pushed back to the fall, and we're going to do it a little bit differently. There are more details in that other video. So I encourage you to go watch it. I'm not going to rehash all of it here right now because I've been speaking for 46 minutes and 4 seconds at this point and want to call it <clears throat> want to call it for the evening. So um, I love you guys. If you've got any other questions, if you are a Stapleton Baptist regular member, um, I encourage you, please check your email. I sent you another important email yesterday, and I would love for you to read that email if you have not. Um, there is important information I want you to know in there. Uh, so uh, that's my time, guys. I love you. Um, Y'all take care. Stay safe and uh, stay in the work. See you guys. <laughs>